Hello and welcome back to Count Her In. Today we're doing something super special because if you're watching our video, you can see right off the bat, it just Waylon and myself. This is because today I'm actually going to be interviewing Waylon as herself as a Gen Z entrepreneur, hearing about her journey. We've heard a lot of tits and bits in between the interviews and just like from knowing her, but I thought today we can really kind of dive into her journey, everything in between, how she is, a little all you need to know about Waylon. So I'm super <laughs> excited for it. Waylon, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling really good. It's Thanksgiving week this week, so everyone's a little bit in the holiday season, um, so it feels good. Yeah, how about That's you? Amazing. How are you doing? Feeling good. Some tough news mm-hmm. yesterday we know about. We're being kind to ourselves. We're being gentle to ourselves. But I'm excited 100%. to kind of take a step back and just kind of ask you. I think I've been wanting to just get into the entrepreneurial journey of Wayland for a while. So I think it's lovely that for whatever circumstance, we're able to do it now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, bring it to the table. We can just start us off as per usual. It feels weird to have no one else here. But yeah, Wayland, what are you bringing to the table today? Crazy not to have anyone here with us today or a guest, but also so excited because you're one of the best interviewers I know. Truly, you ask and you listen, which is amazing. Um, For what I'm bringing to the table today, my first ever full bottle of Gatorade for the student athlete that I am. Ooh. Ooh. The D1. The D1 athlete. No, it kills me every time. But I have some Gatorade, getting those electrolytes in. Love it. Um, And then figuratively, I think I'm bringing um, hopefully an authentic version of myself today. That's something really important as I share my story. Um, I feel like oftentimes we focus on like the really good parts of the story and the successes. So I really just want to shed light on the bad things, the challenges and the most authentic version of myself. What about you? So as per usual, I finished had some beautiful strawberries just before now, which I love, love, love. My favorite. Uh, To to the table, I'm bringing a sense of curiosity. I know a lot about you, but I, there's a lot I don't know too. And I want to ask kind of those questions and both challenge you, but also myself to ask questions that haven't been naturally brought up before. So I'm excited to see how this goes and just kind of have fun with it. Um, but yeah, just to get us started, just to get the ball rolling, love to ask you when and why did you start calling yourself an entrepreneur? When was that time that you said, hmm, no, like I'm going to start addressing myself as an entrepreneur. I'm going to start doing it. So yeah, let me know. Ooh, I feel like I've always felt like I was an entrepreneur. I think there was like a lot of times when I was younger where I loved to create things. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was around five or six, I was obsessed with penguins and my dad and I would make like an amusement park or like games or um, like little houses for my penguins to like play in. Um So I've always had that energy of like wanting to create and build, especially for other people or in this case for my penguins. Um, But I don't think I started labeling myself as an entrepreneur till really this year. I think when we started the Entrepreneurs Podcast um, and you talked to me about my own entrepreneurial journey and you were like, thankful Thursdays and all of the things that I've done and endeavors are actually entrepreneurial endeavors and that I should be calling myself an entrepreneur was kind of a breakthrough moment for me and really a driving force of this podcast. That's so beautiful. Like, I think you make such a great point. Like people do all these things, but you don't really address it unless it's like this pinnacle version of what an entrepreneur is, unless like you register a company, like 
that doesn't mean it's not entrepreneurial. And like, I love how you always ask questions about the podcast. When was that first inkling of entrepreneurship? And like, that's exactly who you are. Like, I see that mm-hmm. so much in you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's so important to realize. And I think we're doing, honestly, a little kudos to ourselves. I think we're doing a really good job of trying to redefine what entrepreneur lo- uh, entrepreneurship looks like. Sure. Um, and I'm so excited, hopefully, like, five years down the line, every little girl knows that they're an entrepreneur, I think would be such a special experience for us all. I love that. That's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like acknowledging that like your whole life has been an entrepreneurial journey, but on those journeys, there's definitely points of inflection where you feel like there's big points of growth, either you were challenged or there was a circumstance. So can you think of any points in your entrepreneurial journey where you felt you were really challenged or there was a big growth opportunity for you? I'd love to hear little anecdotes. Oh, Yeah. The first one that comes to mind was when I first started Thankful Thursdays, which was a startup kind of focused on gratitude and focused on helping schools and businesses around Southeast Asia with gratitude and implementing it in their system. Um, But I remember the first summer that I wanted to do Thankful Thursdays, I wrote up this curriculum. I spent like every day like reiterating it. And then Mr. Ladner, our principal at the time, he said, okay, if you have a curriculum and you're really passionate about it, you can present in front of the entire school and like implement thankful Thursdays in the year ahead. Um, And I remember I went in, I was super excited and I thought everyone else was going to be really excited for me as well. Um, But thankful Thursdays was met with a lot of, not a lot of criticism, but a lot of unenthusiastic students, Mm. which retrospectively makes sense, right? They're like six to eighth graders, not really concerned about gratitude just yet. Um, and that was a huge setback for me. I was embarrassed by the work that I was doing. I didn't feel proud necessarily that I was doing it. I knew I was doing good work, but I didn't think, like, I didn't want to tell people that I was working on Thankful Thursdays or associating myself with it. And that was something, Mm -hmm. um, that really switched in sophomore, junior year of high school, where I started to see it as something that was an opportunity to, grow myself, but also grow the community and grow closer with people in the community. And so um, I remember sophomore year of high school, I got really close to one of our security guards. Um, His name was Akash and he told me a lot of stories about his life and things that I wouldn't have known if I just had continued just ignoring him or not saying hi or not trying to build a connection there. Um, So that switch was definitely important. And I think I lost your question somewhere down that line. (laughs) We got an anecdote, no doubt. One thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. from your response is, I wasn't proud. I wasn't proud of my sharing, which I find the most saddening thing. Yeah. If you want to think of entrepreneurs like artists, like one of the saddest things you can see as an artist is someone who like makes a painting or draws or makes a song and they're like, I'm ashamed of this. I don't want to share. And like seeing that in you or seeing that entrepreneurs, and I felt that myself, even though you've worked hard in it, you mm-hmm. represent it the moment you talk about it, you feel a shameful or be like, it's not enough. Like, have mm-hmm. you had experience with like the B part of that as well? Like not being enough, like it's cool, but like, it could be so much more. And I don't want to talk about it until it's like a huge thing. hundred percent. I think we both relate to that a lot, especially with the entrepreneurs podcast. When people ask me now, even they're like, what are you up to? I'm like, oh, just, just a podcast. And I always kind of like brush it off as something that's not, I I'm like, obviously so proud of the work and so excited. And it's really easy to like be online and on LinkedIn and on Instagram and share those really exciting moments. But when I'm talking to friends or when I'm, you know, just like someone asks me what I'm doing, it, 
it just feels like something like like I don't know not embarrassing but it just like gives me that like weird feeling where I like I don't want to talk about it Um, and I think that stems a little bit from honestly just a lack of confidence and also I don't know I feel like it's a it's like kind of maybe a systematic thing too where Mm -hmm. a lot of girls feel like they like it has to be perfect before they can present it or has to reach a certain milestone before it's worth sharing um and so definitely breaking out of that mindset was something huge I think in both of our entrepreneurial journeys being like hey like this podcast is so cool and it kind of reminds me sometimes Allie and I will do this thing where after a podcast recording or after a really tough week, we're like, wait, like, let's take a step back. We have over 34 episodes out on our main podcast. We have over like 20 episodes, I think on Count Her In. We have literally five podcast shows and so many awesome things in the works. Like, why are we still like, oh, it's just a podcast. It's not just a podcast. (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge. You're totally right. And I think this idea of like not being enough has been a theme throughout your life. And like we hear about the podcast from your perspective, but for those who don't understand the context, why is that quote, you aren't enough, such an impactful thing for you? Where does that stem from? Oh, I love that. Um, And yes, there's definitely a story behind that. So I think for most of my life, it was, it was something that I struggled with, I think throughout, um, just this feeling of not being enough or not being valued. But I think it hit probably rock bottom in high school where the environment that we were in was very driven by successes and driven by awards. And I think I found myself kind of like in the eye of the tornado where I was kind of put in a spotlight of being the president, of being in like five or six different clubs and leading them in kind of being like very present in our school system and then feeling like I had to live up to that expectation that I had to be enough for everyone else and I remember vividly I when I started high school I would go to sleep every night at like 9 30 p.m and people started knowing me for sleeping early and knowing me for that characteristic so when I would sleep at 11 or if I had a really stressful night and I was like up till 10 30 or just like watching TV that late, um, people would be like, ooh, like Waylon is slipping up, like Waylon is not, she's like no longer like perfect. And that scared me, that like scared the shit out of me because I was like, oh, at school I had to present myself with like almost a mask. Like I had to be this perfect version for everyone so that almost like people could model themselves after me when in reality, like I was not like that. Like I was not sleeping every day at 930, but I felt the need to tell people I was, or I felt the need to tell people I only spent like 30 minutes on my phone when in reality, maybe I wasn't. And it was like comparing myself to a perfect version of myself where I felt Mm -hmm. like I was never enough. Um, And then people thinking that I was, you know, living up to the standard. Yeah. And then it was just like, was this odd cycle when I was like, oh, I don't feel good about myself. And people are like, why do you feel that way? Like your life is good. Your life is perfect. Like you're doing everything right. But I didn't feel like I was doing everything right. And so when college admissions came around, that's when it all crumbled. That's when it all (laughs) came down. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I remember I applied early to Harvard 
and I got deferred. And I remember thinking all of those awards, all of those nights studying, all of those no's that I said to friends because I wanted to spend time on clubs or thankful Thursdays was not worth it because I didn't get in. And that was my mindset. It was so hard to break out of that and realize, wow, like I was more than just a college acceptance and I was more than just all the clubs I was a part of. Um, and I remember my counselor, love that guy. Um, and he's, he sat me down as I was literally quaking. Um, and he's like, you're enough. Like, I want you to believe that. Like, I want you to know that I think you're enough regardless of whether you got in or not. And I remember like literally crying my eyes out because nobody had ever said that to me. So you are enough. Whoever's listening to this. Um, I feel like I'm just rambling, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to me that like there seemed to be this conflicting version of like what is Waylon, oh. how other people wanted to see you versus like how you saw yourself. Mm-hmm. So, just to kind of paint the scene briefly in like ten seconds or less, if you ask someone at your school who is Waylon, how was Waylon, how would they describe you, objectively speaking, ten seconds? Ooh, are you thinking of like people who know me now or people who know me Ooh. in high school? People who knew you in high school. Just to set the scene of how this you are enough thing came to be. How would someone at your school objectively describe you? So in my mind, I always thought people described me as someone who was not perfect, but slept early, got Mm -hmm. their work done at least a week Mm -hmm. in advance, Mm -hmm. was on top of their shit, Mm -hmm. was hopefully willing to help other people get on top of their shit. Mm -hmm. And kind of provide that mentality of like, okay, if I can do this many things, then maybe I should be able to do this many things. Got it. And that was toxic. And I'm not even sure if people thought that of me. I think I just like built up this image of like, oh, this is so important to everyone that I'm like this certain way. Yeah. So then on the counter, how did you see yourself then? What, what, any internal struggle? Ooh. Like what was, how did you wake up and see yourself in the mirror every day? If you were to describe yourself, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, I would say the feeling was like chasing something. Like I felt wow. like I was constantly chasing perfection. Like if I didn't get 10 things done. That should day, be your first album, by the way. When you write your first, when you drop your first <laughs> album, per- even a memoir, imagine that, chasing mm-hmm. perfection. That's yeah. so powerful. Mm-hmm. It was it was honestly like scary. Like I would wake up every day, like almost in panic that I was not living up to like a certain expectation or like if I didn't have a, the most productive day one day, I like literally plan my time, like 30 minute intervals with no breaks and just like work my ass off because like I could not take the fact that I was like taking that day off and because it's literally impossible for someone to be working that hard all the time like I would not finish things because it's literally impossible and I would feel bad about it like I would I I don't think for the last I don't know how many years maybe like since middle school like have I ever completed a to-do list like not once wow because I think that like it's definitely something more than this but like I think if I don't have like a to-do list that goes literally to the floor then it's not enough and so I just pile like literally to this day I still struggle with making tangible and realistic to-do lists um 
And I like have never really crossed off everything from a to-do list, which is, which is something else. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's say you have a to-do list of your life. What Mm. are the five top to-do lists you want to do by the time you're no longer the energetic, wonderful person on this planet you are today? What are your five to-do lists before you die? Five to-do lists. What's on the to-do list? I'm going to change that based on one of our guests that we've had before. And they say, I think it was Kimberly. I forget. But someone told us that it's not a to-do list. It should be a to-be list. And kind of changing my mindset towards more of this idea of like the to-do list should like should push the needle forward rather than making you like push the needle backward almost like everything should push the needle forward and so on my top five list I think like I want to fill it with spontaneity I want to fill it I don't know with good energy around me so like good people good food um and I want to figure out who like the real Waylon is like Mm. as I evolve being patient with that evolution and also appreciating each stage as it is and not continuing to chase what it could be um so I guess that's kind of yeah chasing Yeah. yeah um and I hope that I can be a good friend and a good mm. person for what other people. What does that people. look like to you? What does a good friend look like to you? I think someone who can be there for you, but also more than that, just like do things that you you wouldn't expect someone to do for you is something. So the spontaneity of it, you want to spont- be a spontaneous good friend. Yeah. Like there's something. Comes something's... to your door with cookies or yeah. comes to care. There's something so special about thinking about someone when they don't think anyone's thinking of them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Like being able to just like be like this, this made me think of you or um, like I got this for you because it like it, it reminded me of you is something so special and honestly better than any gift or any like the best gifts are always the ones that are like, I saw this spontaneously and it reminded me of you and I got it for you because I thought it would make you smile or make you laugh or make you excited and yeah I have one of my friends good friends here Katie she's literally like the most excitable person I know and um yesterday I got her like this lint snickerdoodle like chocolate and I wanted to give it to her so bad because I knew like her reaction would be priceless. And it just like makes my heart so warm to see her so excited. Unfortunately, did not give it to her, but I told her about it. And she literally is like the cutest person. She like looks like she's about to cry. And I'm like, girl, it's just, it's just, it's just chocolate. But like it, it warms my heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. She's like one of those people who like should be good on a YouTube video for reactions. Oh, like she would be a good, she'd definitely not be cut from the rough cut. She would definitely be included in the reaction videos. 100%. That's so cool. I love that you talked about seeing the real Waylon because mm. you talked about these different versions of yourself. So, like, what parts of you do you not think the world knows enough about? What parts Ooh. of you in your innermost self do you not think that A, you either like not shown enough or B, P, B people have it appreciated or like internalized enough? Yeah, I think, I think it varies person to person. I think 
a lot of people I guess like I wish people knew that I think about things a lot and I think about Mm. how my actions impact them a lot and I think about my relationship with people a lot and how I can be better and besides that I think one of the most important things is like I don't show a lot of my true weaknesses or like true struggles with a lot of people um or when I do they like kind of brush it off as like oh it's just like you know it's not like actually a problem it's something that I've kind of like built up for myself so for example like for rowing like one of my bigger insecurities I think is just like being the slowest on the team which is just a fact for now and like opening myself up in that vulnerable space was something really hard for myself and honestly at the beginning of last week I thought I was just gonna quit because like at that moment like being so vulnerable with like I am the slowest right now and I'm not the fastest I'm not pulling as fast as everyone else my technique is not as good as everyone else and doing it in such a transparent environment too was so scary scary to the point where I I almost quit I was telling Allie like last week like I didn't want to row anymore um but I realized it was mainly just because I've never let anyone see that side of me and never let anyone see that side of failure so publicly um which scared me the most yeah yeah public failure is huge 100% like I remember going back to a conversation we were talking about thankful Thursdays you said you went up to the front of the school like you were so proud of the work you were kind of doing like in your own head or like Mm one-on-one but it's like when you went in front of school and you felt at least from what I hear it feels like you thought it was a public failure because you didn't get the response you wanted it wasn't just one-on-one someone saying I don't like it it felt like everyone didn't appreciate it Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. I think there's something about realizing one a lot of these failures people are not even like looking at I think especially in the rowing context too like Mm -hmm. people are only looking at their own scores and they don't even notice right but so it's like definitely putting it in perspective and then the second thing is like I think it's so important to deal with it more than just like saying you have to deal with failure I think it's Mm. important like to be honest that the embarrassment is there like the like just like that icky feeling of not being the best is Mm -hmm. there and it's real like it's not it's not something that's like oh yeah like I faced failure and then I'm better now is it's not such a linear story not at all yeah yeah and like I think sometimes it's nice to stick in that ickiness for a little bit yeah discomfort Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good in the moment at all. It really doesn't. And sometimes it never feels good. Some things might always feel sticky. Yeah. Like not everything is resolved. And that's kind of a myth that's learned in life. Like not everything is all well and done and resolved by the end of time. Some things are left still convoluted and unsolvable. And that's difficult to, that's difficult to come to terms with. It really 100%. is. And I think one of those things for us at least was in many ways our senior year. So you were one of the infamous class of 2020. So I'm seeing this context of you under a lot of stress and tension, lots of people pulling you in lots of different directions. And then a pandemic hits. How was that transition for you? You were five months at home pretty much in Hong Kong, post protest during COVID. 
what was that transition like? Yeah, you were at home. Yeah, you were chilling out a bit more, not going to school. Yes, you were with friends. What was that time emotionally and mentally for you? Did it help you grow? Was it stifling? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that time for you and that growth period. Yeah, I remember I remember my sister and I would go for walks sometimes when she got back from the UK. Um, and one of the things she told me is that COVID, especially during that time, like we were in the thick of it, kind of just finishing yeah. up our senior year. Um, and she'd look at me and she'd be like, you needed this. Like you really needed this. Um, and I remember asking her, like, what do you mean about that? And she's like, you were like, I, you didn't know who you were for most of high school and still figuring it out now. But I think like COVID was like an important break for me not to keep up with like the perfection I thought I had to keep up with. And like, it was a nice break not to be in that public eye all the time and like face that pressure of even just going to school. Like I loved school for most of it. And like, I loved it when I was there, I think. But I think I needed some time away to like recuperate <laughs> and like re- like feel things for myself and like understand like, like, what is it that like I actually want? Like, that was a really hard question. I think it's still a hard question for me. Like people ask me like, what makes you the most happiest? And to be completely honest, I have no idea. Like there's small things that make me happy and like obviously my family and spending time with loved ones but like even like helping other people which was my answer for a really long time even with that I don't know whether that truly makes me happy or whether it's just like I like being a good friend and I like being there for other people um definitely lots of questions going through my mind with that but I think COVID was a really good time for me to just grow and be more patient with myself what about you I'm actually really curious to hear what you what COVID, I know COVID did a lot of things yeah. for you, but like yeah. personally. Personally, COVID was the time that I was able to love myself again. Yeah, I felt I like similar to you, I felt in the year 2019, mm-hmm. I was trying to artificially construct myself to be as inhuman as possible. Mm-hmm. And that being this perfect version of myself in every aspect, perfect, like perfectly interacting with people, perfectly doing my work, perfectly doing that. And I became inhuman and I had no internal intuition at all. I had no intuition with my body, no intuition with my emotions, no intuition with my feelings. Mm. And it allowed me to humanize myself. And I know that sounds so weird, like some X-Men sort of shit. But yeah, for me, it was humanizing. I felt like I was human again. And it feels so sad to say, but that's what it was. And now I feel like happy when I get sad sometimes. I'm like, wow, that's so cool that I get to fucking feel shit again. Because before we would just suppress it and pretend like it didn't happen. Mm. Love it. Yeah, I love that you talked about going on walks with your sister too. We both know that we are both two sister families, which objectively is my favorite type of family, two girls. Um, So if you do mind, can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with your sister and how that influenced you and influenced you in the past, but also influences you now? 100% before we get into that I love this idea of building intuition I think it's so important Mm -hmm. we build a lot of intuition about other people like yeah you you know when your friend is upset like you know when they're not feeling their best or not their 100% and you're so like equipped with that and like so um sensitive to other people but when it comes to like yourself like you could be rock bottom and a part of you is like (laughs) you're like taste the air you're like 
I think I'm fine today. And everyone <laughs> around you is like, what? What are you talking you're about? Totally right. Like, your intuition is so it's off so when it comes right. to yourself. It's like it's actually you're kind totally- of hilarious when you think about it, right? Like, like sometimes you're I'm so crying right. and I'm like, wait, let me let me taste. I think I'm, I'm fine. Okay. I've actually never been happier. My mistake. My mistake. My tears are fake. I've got no tears left to cry. Thank you, Ariana. <laughs> So no, yeah, totally I love right. this. Mm-hmm. I love Okay, we got to dig into more about. Yeah, let's dig into this more. Yeah. I love that I love the it. idea of intuition not being right. My goodness. Yeah, but mm-hmm. do tell me a little bit about your relationship with Kaylin and like just yeah, what's your relationship with mm-hmm. your sister like and how has it influenced you? 100%. Well, surface level, I think Kaylin and I she gets it. Like she really gets it. And I mean I this that. because we've traveled and literally lived like everywhere our entire lives she's the only person I know who's had literally the same story as me born in Singapore raised in the Netherlands flew back to Singapore in Hong Kong like find me another person and I think we'll be siblings if that all happens um (laughs) and you guys are close in age too you're only one year apart yeah Mm -hmm, exactly so she's literally been my best friend and we fought a lot when we were little little um, and I remember there was this one big fight we had. I don't remember mm. where. I I think it was in Singapore. We had like this huge fight. And I remember sitting on my mom's bed after with her. And we were like, we're never going to fight like this again. Like nothing will break wow. us. And that was a really important thing for my mom too. Like she, whenever we fought, she'd be like, you guys have each other for the rest of your lives. Like when, like God forbids, like when they like are no longer with us, like Kaylin and I like are going to be there for each other and that was something so important for my mom she really harped us on that but back to this big fight we had this big fight we sat on my mom's bed we were like we're never gonna fight again and really ever since then we haven't had like a huge like tough of it and like it's been honestly the best like just being able to talk to her about literally anything and not having her judge me or and she knows me so well so just being able to have like a second hand and when I'm going through shit she's like like dude like like reality check and I love it um and she tells me like it is um but also it's so funny just like the tiny experiences I'm gonna map it out for you but like sometimes we'll fight like we'll fight over you know I don't know like clothes or whatever and then it like happens it's like super tense for like 30 minutes and then someone will like go to their own room and then like 10 minutes later you like come out and you're like wait like do you want to watch like tv on the couch because like there's nobody else who's willing to do yeah. it and it's like that like little tension I find so funny it's like oh my god ugh, especially like, during covid yeah, like, we got like, no one else like, I'm gonna go on the couch and watch something like if you want to come and I'm <laughs> I like you could come or whatever I'm like, whatever <laughs> What are I guess it so? Me up. I no, that's it. so true. I like what you said about judgment too. Mm-hmm. Both when like you want it, but also when you don't want it. So like situations you're like, okay, I just gotta come clean. This was going. They're like, you know what? Nothing's weird. This is totally fine. But also, like, I can speak from my own experience. I use Nicole, my sister, as like the objective jury. I'm like, okay, you tell me, tell me if I'm being crazy. And she'll come at you be like, Allie, you're being a fucking bitch. And like, I'm going to tell you that right now. And like, sometimes that's good to happen because you respect it. I respect a lot more like my sister, like BS things than my parents do. Cause like my parents, they don't get it, you know, but if my mm-hmm. sister said, I'm like, oh, maybe there's something actually weird wrong. Maybe I should like reassess the situation. Yeah. Especially for fights too. Yeah. Um, like if my sister oh my gets into a fight with my parents, she'll like always come up to me and she's like, who's right? Oh my God. Be like, yeah. I'd be yeah. like, okay, like this 
right this yes i don't know about that one yes oh my god i'm totally right yeah if nicole calls the fight okay so if nicole sides with me i'm like you know what we are in this together this is this is a team come by myself i'm like all right I am a lone soldier tonight. I know I don't have the support of my committee, but I'm a lone soldier and I have to fight this to the end. Oh my God. Or gather my pride and say, I'm sorry now. Yeah. One or the other. One or the other. One or the other. For sure. Yeah. But sisters are fantastic. They really, mm-hmm. they really do help shape us. And I think there's something so wonderful. I think a lot of the reasons, like all four of us, you, Wayla, Nicole, and I are so strong females. The fact that like we've been living in a house where our reciprocal, our compliment have been a strong female so I think there's something super beautiful that comes from that yeah I love that so I've asked you quite a few questions so far and questions that seem at like that you enjoy answering it feels natural but we always get questions there's always things that are brought up that you really really hate answering either topics specific questions so I want to ask you what question do you hate answering Ooh. Like the thought of that, like makes you cringe. You feel uncomfortable. It makes your mm-hmm. tummy, your stomach tug. What's an idea or a topic you really don't like answering or talking about from your personal experience? This isn't like a political thing, like from like a known personal thing. Like, what do you really not like talking about? I think for a long time, even now, like where I'm from is one of Ooh. the hardest questions. Like where is home for me is a question I think that got a lot harder ever since coming to college. Yeah. Um, some context I feel like most people have the experience of like I'm from California I'm from Ohio like it's a very like one word answer but truly for me like it doesn't feel like home is one answer and that Mm -hmm. in some ways feels very like not stuck up but like it does feel like oh like I want to flex all the time that I'm like Uh not from a certain place or like I struggle a lot when people ask me on the spot because like do I say Singapore? Do I say Hong Kong? Do I say, um, usually the Netherlands is not the place I go for, but it's like usually between the two. Yeah. Um, and even those don't feel like it tells me as a person. Absolutely. And so like, yeah. especially, and this ties back to something we talked about in the beginning. It's like when I can't, when I don't feel like I can answer a question authentically, I feel uncomfortable so like when I'm answering like where I'm from and I say Singapore like it doesn't feel like the most authentic version of myself because why is that why is that tell me why you feel fraudulent in some ways for lack of better words by saying that you're I'm from Singapore tell me why that is because like what parts of it yeah like my passport's there I've kind of grown up there but if you look at it I've spent the least time in Singapore three Mm -hmm. four years max and I spent six and a half years in the Netherlands and eight years in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't speak Singlish, which is like mm. the Singaporean English. I don't get the jokes. Um, mm, when we go back true. even, yeah. yeah, when we go back even, like it's really hard for me to talk to my grandparents because I don't speak the best Chinese and I don't speak my mother tongue, which is like Hokkien. Um, so that's always been like a struggle. Um, and like even just like integrating back into like family culture like obviously my family loves me like my grandparents love me like I love them mm-hmm. but it's always like we're a little like out of sync if that makes sense mm-hmm. so like it's always been like a little out of sync and I don't know that's like a huge part for me just like it doesn't feel like home in many ways um and then in Hong Kong it doesn't feel like truly like home because 
I'm not from there. I like yeah. don't speak the language. There's still like there's that there's a sense of like misstep. Like when you do a dance, you're like one beat off. Um, mm. and it always feels like I've been one beat off. That's so mm-hmm. important. Oh my god, they do being one beat off. It's like you never fully, it's not like you're answering all the questions yes. There's always the but one, but but exception. Like the yeah. idea of being an exception or being a, a hyphenated person, for lack mm-hmm. of better words. What does that mean to being a hyphenated person or having multiple mm-hmm. multiple identities, multiple questions? And how have you seen that play out in college beyond just, oh yeah, feeling like sometimes people think you're pretentious when you're like, oh, I'm from this place and not. How do you see that in terms of like the people you interact with? Is there a certain type of people that makes you gravitate towards? Are there people that are turned off by that you think, intimidated mm-hmm. even? How have you seen that kind of play out in college these last couple yeah. months? I think like one of the most important things to realize is like everyone's a hyphenated person and that hyphen Mm. doesn't have to be like thousands of countries. It can just be like different roles you play or different hats that you wear. So I truly believe like everyone has a hyphen and I think those hyphens make us more interesting and bring us closer to our authentic self. Like I think people who think they can sum up their entire lives in three words or, you know, describe themselves in three words is truly ridiculous like nobody is three-dimensional um which is cool but also kind of terrifying too there's so much to uncover totally Um, in terms of college dynamics I think college has been the one place where I figured out like what a true friend is um and that's been a huge journey for me like the first time someone um I think I've told the story on kind of all good actually but like during my first midterm week I was super stressed about it and my friends just like the nicest people came to my room and they like brought me my favorite snacks and my favorite chocolate and like wrote sticky notes on each of like the bags like kind of encouraging me through final like through midterms week and I opened the door I burst out crying like it was the sweetest thing anyone has done for me what would you say are some other important hats to you in your life just to finish us off so we definitely touched on sister Mm -hmm. definitely touched on being a friend any other important hats that you play in your life or identities that you want to touch on that are important to you in your life right now on november 23rd 2021 oh we should make these annual episodes please we're gonna do you next yeah we're gonna do do an annual episode that's such a good reflection point to see where we're where our heads are at oh absolutely Um, oh I love that let me think okay other hats that I wear that are important to me um co-founder of the entrepreneurs network queen queen (laughs) queen um a daughter I think is important um a listener an empath I hope um definitely a little definitely. bit of a shit show <laughs> just a little bit um, oh my goodness and someone who's just you know trying to figure it out oh great spotify playlist maker sorry oh, yeah can we, can we get that on oh Wayland? yeah that was like something totally left field i didn't realize you have <laughs> such good taste in music but also we have really similar tastes we're like high 80s matching on spotify oh, yeah. whatever oh, we love to see it whatever. an aspiring aspiring dj oh yeah oh, oh yeah. wayland oh it's gonna happen oh, oh my god my dream you just put it out there in the universe now it's gonna happen that's embarrassing now it's like actually gonna happen oh my goodness a vlogger mayhaps soon. oh yes a vlogger a dj <laughs> vlogger a dj vlogger at oh Princeton. my god a day in my life as a dj vlogger oh. podcaster 
dead dead you will be you will be mixing the podcast well thank it. you so much for coming on Waylon. Waylon is now staying at her friend's house during the thanksgiving holiday Ooh. hope you're gonna enjoy some gratitude of anyone this holiday it is you oh, so yeah. very very last question what are you most looking forward to for thanksgiving um what am i looking forward to most for thanksgiving what am I having a break oh pushing stop on those plus one to that and- and just like honestly enjoying and like learning about people like like I'm in Pennsylvania right now I've never like been in this side of the state like it's amazing and I'm excited to learn more vlog do a Thanksgiving vlog we'll start one maybe maybe we'll see well what do you hope to leave oh I lied sorry last question I forgot what do you hope to leave on the table for the next generations of young female entrepreneurs? Oh, yes. We're going to stick to a theme for this one. I think, mm-hmm. like, be your most authentic self and everything else oh, will yes. come. We love it. And don't do perfection. BRB, going to go get a crocheted on a pillow. Gonna oh, my goodness. I'll crochet Going to go get a magnet. <gasps> oh, oh, wait, please. Oh, my goodness. If you become. <gasps> oh, my God. I'm getting it? too excited now. Waylon. <laughs> Remy's merch dropped. I'm gonna buy you merch. Oh my goodness! Yes, we gotta do I it. I know. I'll gotta do it. For do you. it. Yes. Hanukkah money getting funneled immediately. <laughs> well, thank you I so much it. for coming on, Waylon. I'm so happy we count you. Thank up. you for having me on. Thank so you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for letting me use your Zoom room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you will see you guys next week for Ali's episode. Hopefully. Thank we you so be- much, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. And that wraps it up for today's Count Her In episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Truly from the bottom of my heart, it really means a lot to me that you stuck around and you listened to the end of this podcast. Thank you to our podcast producers too. And if you liked this, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode right now. Check out our past episodes and look out for our upcoming episodes featuring inspiring female entrepreneurs too. We'd love you to support and be part of the Entrepreneurs Network community on our Instagram and LinkedIn and get in touch with us with your very own entrepreneurial journey. See you next time.